Welcome to the Innovation Room. If you're a business leader, a change champion, or someone who wants to feel a little closer to how digital transformation is changing the world, put your smartphone aside, sit back, and indulge in the world of software, the world of endless possibilities. Can one learn to lead with innovation? Can a business change to become more innovative? Can you develop leadership and teams who create value based on innovation? How much innovation can increase valuation multiplier of a business? I am Somaya, CEO at Geeks, and I am in the innovation room today with Sat, CEO of IP Integration. Sat has 20 years experience in tech, growing tech businesses and leading them into M&A, and then moving to M&A advisory role, sharing knowledge and experience with other businesses. Join us as we explore the characteristics of the leading innovative businesses and their leaders. Hi, Sat. Hey, Samaya. Good to see you. Good to see you and thank you for coming to the Innovation Room. Thanks for having me. Do you want to do a quick introduction about your background? Sure. So, so, so I've been in the tech space for well over 20 years and interested in a number of things, really. So from a business perspective, I've interested in sort of technology, clearly. That's sort of my core, uh, real estate. Outside of that, I've a, I've a passion for sort of helping people, so have taught meditation for over 25 years and also do a bit of work in the M&A space from a corporate finance advisory perspective. I've known you for for a number of years now. I've never asked if you're in an innovation room, who would you have with you? This is such a difficult one to answer. So there's inspiration all around the world, but I think you said you'll allow me to mention two. You had a list of 15. I, I have a list of 15. I can't host 15 people here. Yeah, 15. So I think the first one I'll start with is, is Nikola Tesla for, for two reasons, really. One is complete and utter genius, but I think his name has only probably become more prominent in recent years because his name's associated to an automobile company as well. But sort of reading about Nikola Tesla, you know, a great inventor, um, engineer and futurist, really, you know, for that time and space, there wasn't many people doing it. And he didn't have the benefit of, let's say, social media or the internet to make himself or his ideas famous. But I think the thing that I liked about him in terms of reading about him, he was up for wild experiments and had a bit of a colourful personality. And I sort of like people like that. They tend to be unique and stand out. So clearly, there's lots and lots of brilliant innovators around the world. But I think with, with Nikola Tesla... You're allowed, you're allowed the second one, go on. All right, the second one is, is more of a music inspiration, really. So as I said, you know, innovation exists everywhere. I'd say Bob Dylan, again, a unique personality, an artist and a poet at heart. And I think he sort of changed the game with music and songwriting. Most songs are very sort of verse-chorus based. Um, Bob Dylan's songs were very long because they were just poetry based yeah. and had deep meaning. Um, And he inspired a lot of people. So I think he inspired a lot of people in the way that they uh, constructed their material, songs and music. So they'd be my two. I'd love to be in a room having a chat with those two. (laughs) 
Obviously, you have been involved in a lot of different businesses in, in terms of running them, being part of the business, but also in your advisory role in the capacity of M&A advisory. The businesses you have seen, have you noticed any kind of characteristic or similarities when they are beginning innovation in their characteristic of a business or, or the leadership of the business? Have you seen any similarities? Is it something people can learn from and be inspired by? Sure, and, and I'll probably answer that in two ways. So I think if you're meeting founder owners of businesses, people like yourself, their journey has really started because they wanted to solve a problem or a bunch of problems. So you know what, what you find with those types of characters is there's a consistency in their behavior. In one, that they're always learning, Two is, you know, they're looking for problems in a way uh, to, to solve. And the, the passion they have around the business and its people tends to outweigh the fiscal benefits. So I don't think they go into it thinking about, you know, the money necessarily. I mean, that's important because you need it to, to run the business. But if you look at their priorities, it's always about outcomes for their clients, is about creating amazing environments for their people and to continue to recruit and attract more people in. Innovation's right, right at the heart of that. Um, and that is either finding problems to solve or they're very closely working with their clients where those problems are right there and you've been tasked to s- s- sort of solve them. So, so that's one group. And then you've got the other group, which is you know established businesses, bringing in business people to find uh, ways to innovate. So in that case, it's not their business, but from an ownership perspective, but the characteristics with those people is they still really care about innovation. And what they really understand, you need a group of people around you that believe in innovation. And innovation is a big word, right? I think, you know, people use it very loosely, I think, in the world. And, and it comes in different guises. But in the world of tech, innovation is ultimately about solving a problem and that problem once solved solves either millions of people's problems or millions of consumers problems i do talk to people about how do you do innovation in a sustainable way especially in the middle market we don't have millions of pounds to to pour into innovation and see if it works or not but also you have to have some courage and be a bit loose about like yeah. you, if you if you think every innovation or every idea is going to work well you're clearly wrong so yeah. you have to build that capacity of like being able to tolerate um, working on ideas and innovations when when they fail which which requires some sort of support and investments uh, externally through the bank or through M&A or or sure. any other way in your experience what's the appetite of investors being trade buyers or the PE houses, VCs, that kind of, that, that different types of investors. What's their appetite for, for innovation and has that changed over the past couple of years as a result of the pandemic and, and the acceleration in the digitization? So, so I think there has been a huge difference or change over the last 10 years. So I think when investors were looking to buy or invest in businesses, what they were really looking for was predictability. And that predictability was very binary. It was around numbers, you know, so if you're paying 100 million pounds for a company, 
in you know in a few years time you want to then sell it for three to four hundred million pounds the world's changed slightly now there's so much innovation in the world if you're buying a business that is tech-based those businesses have to differentiate themselves and there's only two ways you differentiate yourselves as a business in my mind one is you've got to have a unique category of services delivered by your people so that's very skills based it's very people based and it's very collective based you need a group of people that can come up with service packages or service categories and deliver those but then you've got the other side which is actually designing technology and you're absolutely right it requires courage it can be very expensive, yeah, because it requires continual investment. And a lot of businesses in the world, if they don't do it properly, they fail. You've, you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. And what we're seeing now is, certainly from an investor profile perspective, if they're buying a business that already has predictable revenues, there's only so much you can scale that without doing something new. A newness comes from innovation. So, you know, in, in, in the example of, you know, the company that I run or previous companies that I've been involved in, we've always been relying on, let's say, reselling other people's technology, established technologies, and then building our services around that. The problem with that model is the, those technologies and, and the pricing around the technology gets commoditized. It's very difficult to make, you know, substantial profits and therefore reinvest in your people. So the only answer then is, well, what do we do that's different? And that points to innovation, and that innovation is around services or certainly designing designing tech. And coming back to your early earlier points, Demaya, you know, it, it does take courage. It takes courage from the leadership um, to, to have an innovation strategy. But then you almost have to get all your your lieutenants or your wider leadership team believing in that strategy and that in itself is a is a hurdle right getting everybody on the same page there's then the investment case around it and and what it really requires is is focus and focus as we know in its true essence is saying no to stuff because if you turn around to the organizer and say right we're, we're going to innovate now what you'll end up with is hundreds of ideas around science projects and they could all be very expensive and non-productive. I'm a big, big fan of disciplined innovation yes. and having a discipline and a structure and innovation. I don't know if you've heard of the book, uh, The Beautiful Constraint. That's a great book that talks about how do you put boundaries that are making you more innovative? How can you be more creative when you have boundaries? Because throughout the history, the, the biggest innovation has happened because of a limitation. Yes. When we have limitation, we tend yeah. to become innovative in solving the problems. Going back to the M&A conversation yeah. and, and the investors, we had a conversation in our last podcast with Andrew, CEO of Brookson Group, who, who was talking about how his business was identified by the next round of investors because of the technology they've had, because of the innovation they've had, and how he thought that's a very key important factor in finding the right investment partners and and getting the right valuation. In your experience, how much innovation you have seen would impact the multipliers and being approached, being found, and then being evaluated differently? Yeah. Um, an interesting one. So, so I think, you know, again, the word innovation and IPR, you know, uh, in intellectual property 
again, is used very loosely. And in the marketplace, I think you get companies that have bits of IPR, but is it true innovation in the sense that they've built a platform or they've built a software application? I think with the latter, if, if you've built a platform and you've built an application that is being used by a multitude of consumers, it can translate across geographies and you have referenceability across a number of geographies. That's got a big green tick from an innovation perspective. And in that case, it has a huge impact on the multiplier. Now, is there an answer on what the multiplier would be? There's no hard and fixed answer on that because ultimately it's about uh, the company that's either interested in buying you, uh, if it's trade. So if by uh, buying your innovation or your company, it's going to help their organization strategically to uh, have a real differentiator in the marketplace and perhaps you know, potentially double the size of their business the multiplier is, is, is not necessarily tied to EBITDA. It's value based around uh, top line revenue or even you know, the rule book's broken or, or torn up at that point in time. It's what do we need to pay you and what, what, what do you want to sell the company for? And we have seen sort of circumstances of that happening. But certainly uh, in the marketplace today, there is a lot of liquidity. So you know, lots of companies with money to invest. The challenge is finding good quality deals or investments. And and I think over the long term, key investors now are getting clued onto the fact that if you're investing in platforms that have a good roadmap, that have sustainability in the sense that it's solving a number of problems, and you have a team that wants to continue uh, developing that application or platform, then you know the market's very hot. But then you look at it very differently. So I think if you look out in the US, for example, Silicon Valley is very much I was gonna, I was for- gonna ask that, I was gonna ask how do you see that, because we know, for example, the US market is, is more adventurous. Absolutely. Uh, and more open to these things yeah. than the UK market would be. Have you seen, or am I making that up? The US has always been a bit more adventurous. I think, you know, we've got Silicon Valley to, to thank for that. When we look at some of the brands and household, technology names and innovation that have come out of that part of the world is known. I think in, in the, you know, certainly across Europe, it's more of a cautious approach in that any investments that are made, they're being made into companies that have the predictability around revenues mm-hmm. and all of those things. But we're starting to see the doors and the windows opening up now in terms of investment appetite into, into real solid technologies. The bit that we're not seeing yet, we, I think at a seed investment, angel investment and VC investment perspective, you're probably seeing people take more of a, a chance or a punt, if you like, on startups and new ideas. But in terms of the bigger flow of money and the bigger investments, they're looking for more established companies that have proven innovation innovation within large logos, maybe across different territories or applications that are proven that have a number of consumers already using it. 
you know, when, when I say a number of consumers, we're talking about, if not tens of, tens of thousands, certainly in the hundreds of thousands. If you're in the millions of users, if you don't have people knocking your door already, then, you know, you've probably got the best kept secret in the world. We work with a lot of clients that are innovators and, and in their industries, and that makes our, our work very interesting because we, we enable them to innovate more and better and, and achieve more. What I've seen as a challenge across the board is the storytelling. How do you tell the story of your innovation in a way that other people understand it? Have you, have you got any advice? Have you seen being involved in, in different deals? Have you seen good practices when you yeah. want to tell the story of your innovation? You, is there a format? It is about keeping it simple. There's a reason we remember hymns or nursery rhymes or the most simple of stories because they're simple and they resonate and they stick. I think we, in the world of business, there is a tendency to overcomplicate the message, to make something sound more elaborate. And, and I think in a world of complexity, which the tech sector is, in a world of complexity, which we know the finance sector is, and certainly from an investment point of view, I think you've just got to keep it simple and say what it does. What problem are you solving or what does the thing do and why is it important? And that's it. And I think if you can answer those two things in a sentence, you have a story. The rest of it is just supporting it with referenceability. You know, we've got X amount of logos using it. We've got, you know, thousands and thousands of consumers using it. There's our referenceability. Because in essence, if you've got the referenceability, those people have brought into the story themselves. And when we're representing companies that we're either raising money for or, or trying to sell, over at Corbett Keeling, as you know, Jim Keeling and the team over there. Uh, part of what we do there is to simplify the message. Do you have any, do you remember any good example that you have seen? That the simple ones. I, I mean, I mean there's, there's been quite a few. I can also tell you some of the opposite, you know, where there's tried, you know, 10 stories in, in one. I, I think the most simplistic ones is where they tell a story about how they've impacted a client or they've impacted a consumer. So impacted a client if it's been tech platform related, impacted a consumer if it's been a user. You know, you've probably got a brilliant example with the app that you developed and got my daughter to use in the, in the development phase. Word up, right? I mean, within, it was such an intuitive thing for her, you know, within minutes she got it and hasn't put it down since. And it's been brilliant. So, you know, the story there is, she was, what, probably seven at the time when you developed it. How did I buy that as a parent? You helped my daughter increase her vo vocabulary in a fun way mm -hmm. uh, at a time that she chose, not at a time that we sort of said, right, you know, you need to sit down and do some homework. So that's a real simple story to tell. You know, now you go and times that a million times. I, I'm really, really confident that there will be millions of parents out there that will feel the same way that I do. A simple app that has helped her to improve her vocab over the years and fun to play with. What I'm mostly interested in is, for example, if you're a company with an innovation and you've got a roadmap and great ideas, yeah. which covers almost like 95% of our, our current clients, yeah. and you go and raise investment, how do you ensure that investment and those investors are not going to disrupt your innovation 
and they're not going to slow down. I know it's not their interest because they buy you yeah. for it or they invest in your business because of the innovation. So it's their interest. A kind of like meeting of different personalities, that period of until you get to know each other. Because innovation is time sensitive. So if you slow down, you, you would lose opportunities. So how do yeah. you make sure that doesn't happen? Totally. I mean, we call them the, the three C's, right? So one is chemistry. So I think, you know, in your search or conversations with with investors, you know, you may have 10 that have all got the money, but, you know, who are the right ones that really understand your business? Um, Who are the ones that you can sit with and know that over the next five to seven years, you can have a relationship and a partnership? So I think, you know, investment needs to be looked at differently. I think, you know, when people look at investors, I guess the old way of thinking about it was you now have new paymasters that have a say in your business. Whereas, in fact, it should be viewed as a partnership. And, and the second one, Samira, is, is certainty. And certainty is all about, you know, once you know you've found the right people from a relationship perspective and the chemistry is there, the certainty is about joint buy-in to the future plan. Are you on the same page around the plan and the objective over the medium to long term? And that would protect, if you like, you know, the ongoing innovation. Otherwise, they wouldn't invest, you know, because if you're, if you're not aligned day one, you'll know it doesn't feel right. So therefore, you're not going to have chemistry. Um, but if you've got the chemistry and there's a common understanding around the plan, you know, you've got the certainty and, uh, and that's really important. Then you've got the last bit, which is the cash, right, is, which sort of underpins the two. It's always very invaluable to hear the tangible advice from the people who are very close to their SMEs because we hear a lot of advice from the people that are, are working in the corporate and not necessarily understand the SME. Yeah. And that's the purpose of our podcast, to bring innovation, best practices and advisors and people who are involved from this different aspects of it into the SME and, and the mid-market world. Last point, is there anything that you would like to, to share with our audience? Is there anything? My message to everyone is, I mean, the two things I always care about in any business is, is people and clients. As a founder of a business or a leader of a business or somebody working within the business, so I think if you stay focused on your people, um, stay true to your purpose and your values, regardless of where you are within your cycle of the business, you'll always maintain a strong and healthy culture. And if you have that, those people will ultimately serve your clients in, in, in the best possible way. Now, if you're looking after people and you're looking after clients and you have a very good proposition in the middle of that, you tend to make money anyway. And, and you know, the, the view around that money is every business needs to make a profit, but you just have more to reinvest into your people, into your propositions and into your clients. So I would say, you know, stay true to those things. Coming back to the, the last question, Samaya, when you are out there seeking investment or when you are out there dealing with people that are interested in your business, the chemistry bit is known straight away. Either they get it or they don't, you know, because your culture is so strong, your values are so strong. And if they don't get it, they're just not the right people. So I would say, you know, stay true to those things. And of course, if anybody would like to sort of reach out uh, to me on LinkedIn or any other media, please do so. I'll be happy to, what to speak. What with. topic, what sort of questions would get your attention? I'm very, very passionate about people development. Um, that's very close to my heart. I clearly, you know, work in the, the M&A space, uh, run a technology company at the moment, uh, IP integration that is focused around customer experience and contact center solutions, Pr- pretty broad. And then on top of that, if you're really interested in meditation, give us a shout because uh, I've been teaching that for over 25 years 
Uh, but again, that's intrinsically tied to, to people and really getting the best out of people. You know, that, that's the thing I really care about most. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been brilliant to, to, to come in and talk to you again, Samai. Thanks Cheers. for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Innovation Room. Want to learn more about what we do? Or want to be our next guest? Head over to the Geeks website, www.geeks.ltd. We look forward to welcoming you again soon.